0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 6. The book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 6. We are finishing up this book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 as we continue with this series of the pastoral epistles. Of course, we have the book of Titus, which will be starting on Sunday morning and then finishing up with the book of 2 Timothy very shortly afterwards. But now we're at the end of this epistle of 1 Timothy, where Paul is writing to a son in the faith, Timothy, writing a personal letter to a man who is in the office of a pastor, pastoring over the church of Ephesus, and encouraging him in the role of a pastor of how to behave like a pastor, things to guard in himself and things that he is supposed to teach and watch out for, throughout the church and so if you don't mind let's pick it up together in the book of first Timothy chapter number six. six first Timothy chapter 6 and notice with me in verse number 11 first Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11 the Word of God says this but thou O man of God flee these things and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness fight the good fight of faith lay a hold of eternal life wherein thou has also called and hast (coughs) professed a good profession before many witnesses I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keepest this commandment without spot "...unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only pontinent, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting amen charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy they that do good and they that be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation Against the time to come, that they may lay a hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so called, which hath professing, have which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 6? 1 Timothy chapter number 6, and notice the phrase that we find in verse number 13. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 13, notice the phrase, I give thee charge in the sight of God. I give thee charge in the sight of God. And here we see the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, finishing up this letter, and he's giving them this stern warning, I give thee charge in the sight of God. I give thee charge in the sight of God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for Your precious word that we could depend upon, that we could trust that as we mentioned earlier will not return void, but we can trust that it will do the work that you sent it out to do. Even tonight as we open up the scriptures and we could see as you by the you giving Paul inspiration to pen these things to Timothy, that we could see the instructions he gave Timothy, and that we could apply them to ourselves, that there are important things that we need to keep, some important things that we need to continue to do, some important things that we need to flee from. I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy. Open up your Bible. And once again, I ask that you please fill me with your spirit. Let me be settled down in you. Let me be dependent and trusting you right now and not my own wisdom, not my own intellect, not my own ability. None of that matters. It's you and you alone that must do this. Thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul, as he's finishing up this letter to Timothy, is trying to last minute trying to encourage Timothy, charge him. The word charge carries the idea of a of an imploring. It carries the idea that he is he is giving a reminder that Timothy, these are things you need to keep. Timothy, these are things that you need to keep in mind. Timothy, this is important for you now. Notice if you don't mind, we could see that there's a list of things that Paul is instructing Timothy on, to things that he needs to keep in mind and to remember. First of all, we see that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells Timothy to follow after righteousness. To follow after righteousness. Now in the context, if you remember the last time we met, we spoke about finances. That the last <laughs> portion of scripture here was talking about those that are that have finances as riches as their goal remember that you can't have god as your goal and riches your goal you have to choose one of the other and those that make god their goal they can trust god with finances but those that tr- that put finances as their goal, as that's what they need, that's what they're putting their attention on, they're going to fall away. They're going to stumble. They're going to be pierced. They're going to have all kinds of consequences that go along with it. And so notice with me in verse 11 and the heels of that context. Notice with me in verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. So he starts off and he says, Timothy, you need to follow after righteousness. In order to follow after righteousness, you need to flee these things. Don't get stuck with riches on the brain. Don't get stuck with riches and finances as your goal. Have God as your goal. Flee that thinking. Flee that. Put that aside. Put it over. It's interesting to note the name of Timothy, the title that he gives him here, O man of God. This is not a title that's used often in the New Testament. It is reserved in the Old Testament for speaking for primarily dealing with prophets, those that were chosen of God to deliver God's message to the people. And so, Timothy, you're a man of God, you're a representative of God to the people to deliver God's message to them with power, with might. Timothy, you as a man of God, flee those things. Stay away from them. Keep yourself pure and the message that you have pure to point people to God, not doing it for money but pointing them up to God because of who God is. Flee these things. Notice as he goes on, verse 11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So Timothy, flee these things, but instead of just wandering around, flee these things, but follow these things. And notice as he gives a list of things for Timothy to follow. So Timothy, you flee the love of money. Timothy, you flee riches, but instead follow after righteousness. The word righteousness here carries the idea of our integrity with men. Meaning that we want to be right concerning men. We want to be right with how we live because men are watching. But notice this, flee after righteousness. Flee, or sorry, follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. Here it carries the idea, our integrity with God. So righteousness is our integrity with men Godliness is our integrity with God that we want to be right with God. Right with, follow after godliness. Follow after those things that are going to keep you right with God. Notice this list goes on in verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, and follow after godliness, and follow after faith. Timothy, I charge thee, follow after faith. Remember that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Timothy. Have faith. Stay in your Bible. Stay in your Bible. Follow after faith. Follow after your word of God. Notice as it goes on in verse 11. Follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. Follow after faith. Follow after love. Now, we understand the type of love that he's used here is the idea of charity, something that cost us something um, with no hope of return. And this is a type of love that only comes when the Holy Spirit is filling us. So, in essence, he's saying as he's follow after love, follow after the Spirit filling, follow after God leading you, follow after loving people. Notice as he goes on in verse 11, this list, follow after righteousness, follow after godliness, follow after faith follow after love follow after patience you know this idea of patience here is waiting on God. Timothy, you'll never regret following after God, waiting on God, letting God do what he needs to do. Timothy, follow this. You flee from this over here, but you follow after waiting on God. Have patience. Let God do his work. So many times we figure out that we can't make things right. We can't fix the situation. Let God do the work. Follow after patience. Notice this list in verse number four. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, follow after godliness, follow after faith, follow after love, follow after patience, follow after meekness, follow after meekness. What is meekness, by the way? It's not being timid and shy. It's strength under control. That's what meekness is. You know, it said that Moses was the meekest man who lived on the earth. Did he have strength? Absolutely. Didn't you see the plagues come? He was used of God in a mighty way. But that was strength under control. Especially with all the complainers that he had to deal with. Two and a half million people complaining every day. Poor Moses. And he could have said, yeah, forget this. You know, Strike him dead, strike him dead. Aren't you glad he didn't? Meekness is strength under control. You know, as a pastor, Timothy, you have the ability to affect other people's life. Have meekness. Follow after meekness. Be patient with people. Don't bop them over the head just because they make a mistake. Be patient with people. Let people grow. Follow after meekness. Notice as he goes on, there's some other things he needs to do after following after righteousness. Notice in verse 12. Fight! The good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. The word fight here carries the idea to strive in a contest. To strive in a contest. It carries the idea back there in the the Roman days, they would have the Olympic Games. And there was a contest sort of like boxing. Except for nice soft cushion boxing gloves. They would have a soft leather on the inside of the hand. But on the outside of the hand, it would be fur and metal mixed together. That when you punch someone's eye, they come out. And it said to get in the ring and you fight. I mean, that's not like a little uh, wimpy contest. When you fight, you're going to fight. He said fight the good fight of faith. You know, there as a pastor... As a man of God, as someone who wants to follow after him, there's going to be a fight from time to time. And you have to be ready to put up the dukes. Ready to say, you can't just keep backing up and backing up. You're going to have to make a stand and say, no, we're going to fight. We are not going to compromise here. We are not going to give ground here. We are not. There's a line in the sand and we are not crossing it. That fight the fight of faith. He's telling Timothy this, fight the good fight of faith. Then notice this, lay a hold of eternal life. Lay a hold. The word lay a hold here carries the idea of keep your grip on. Keep your grip on it. Lay a hold of it. Keep a hold of it. Verse 12 again, fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold of eternal life wherein thou was called and thou hast made a good profession before many witnesses. Timothy had said, hey, I'm saved. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Timothy, or Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you remember, you told all these people you're saved. You keep a hold of eternal life. Basically, it carries the idea, live like you're saved. It's one thing to say that you're saved. It's another thing to live like you're saved. Lay a hold of eternal life. If you're saved and you know it, do what you're supposed to do. Keep going forward. Lay a hold of it. Are you saved? Act like you're saved. If you're forgiven of your sins, act like you're forgiven of your sins. By the way, what does that mean? Well, we understand that heaven's a perfect place. And none of us are perfect people. We've all sinned It comes short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, because of our little lie that we told, because we've disobeyed our folks, we deserve to go to an awful place called hell. Every single one of us do. But Jesus died to pay the price that you and I owed him. And he did it for free. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What do we talk about eternal life? Eternal life is the free gift of Jesus Christ paying for my sins. I don't have to do anything to go to heaven. Jesus did the work for me. But since I've accepted Jesus, my savior, I serve him out of a grateful heart. You see, there's a difference. I don't serve God in order to get something from him. I serve God because of what he's already done for me. And that's what he's telling Timothy. Timothy, you serve God because you're saved. You live like a Christian because you're a Christian. Don't live like a Christian in order to become a Christian. Does that make sense? You can't, you've got to do it the right order. You have to be saved and then you act saved. Lay a hold of eternal life. Live like a Christian. Live like you're saved. Live like you're professing Jesus Christ died for you. And live like it. Lay a hold of it. So here he's telling Timothy... I'm charging you. I'm giving you a command. Follow after righteousness. You flee that over here and you follow these things. And when you're following these things, you fight the good fight of faith. And you be ready to go, Timothy. And you need to live like a Christian. That if you're following after God like you should, you will be doing the things that are right. It's just following after him. Which brings me to a second thing that Timothy was told by Paul. That Paul says, Timothy, i got to wrap this letter up. I don't want to go on and on. I've I got to tell you some things and we got to go. That first of all, follow after righteousness. Follow after righteousness. Second thing, Timothy, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Notice with me in verse number 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God. Now let me pause here. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I'm not going to be there. I'd like to be there, but I can't be there. But you're not alone. You're not facing those people alone. You're not facing these challenges alone. God's there with you. And I want you to be conscious of God's presence in your life. I want you to be conscious that God is there with you. He says, I, want, he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God. God's watching you. He's there with you who quickeneth all things. The word quickeneth is a great word. It means to make alive. It means to <coughs> excuse me, it carries the idea to preserve alive, to endue with life. And Jesus makes things alive again. We could use the word revive. That God revives us. And so you could stay with God and God could endue your life. He could preserve your life. He's watching you. He's taking care of you. He knows he's there. He's the one who's got your back. He says, I charge thee in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. He's saying, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. You remember he was arrested He was put on a false trial and he stood before Pilate and instead of cry and beg, instead of lose his testimony, Jesus Christ stood and had a good confession before Pilate. He never denied who God was. He never denied who Jesus was. He never denied and tried to put the blame and yell at anyone else. He stood fast with a good confession before Pilate and Paul is saying, Timothy, you follow after Jesus. Jesus stood before opposition crowd, a crowd that wanted to kill him, and he still stood firm. Timothy, there's going to be times the crowd wants to kill you. You stand firm. You stand where you're supposed to. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what everyone else. As long as you're with God, God plus one is a majority. Amen. And we're on the winning side. God's with us. If God is with us, who could be against us? We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Oh, through our risen Lord. Notice as it continues on, it begins to talk more about Christ now. Oh, it's wonderful. When Paul starts talking about Christ, he goes in a little tangent. Oh, let me tell you more about Jesus. Notice with me in verse number 15. Which in his times, Jesus' times, he shall show who is the blessed and only continent. That's a big word there, pontinent. The word pontinent carries the idea of dynasty. Remember what a dynasty it is. It's one king, and then his son would rule, and his son would rule. If there was a string of lineage there, it'd be a dynasty. And so you would have a ruling family that would rule for a while. And so it carries the idea of dynasty, and it carries the literal idea of, of a mighty prince. So he's calling Jesus this mighty prince who's in a dynasty here. But then Jesus, uh, Paul continues on what he means by this. Verse 15, who Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only pontinent, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, yeah, there's a dynasty up in heaven. It's God. And he's going to rule forever. There's not going to be anybody who will succeed him. Nobody who will conquer him. Nobody who will displace him. And Jesus Christ is the king of kings. You want to know who is the head boss of all the kings? That's Jesus. You want to know who's the lord of all the lords? That's Jesus. And this is the one. He is the one and only. He is the ruler. He is the dynasty. He is from everlasting to everlasting. That word everlasting to everlasting is a phrase used in Psalm 20, which carries the idea from eternity past under eternity future, Jesus is God. So he says, Timothy, let me remind you of something. Keep your eyes on Jesus because you got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on your side. You stand and make a good confession like Jesus Christ did because Jesus is right there with you. You know how small everybody else is compared to Jesus? They're nothing. If you know Jesus is with you, What reason do you have to be afraid? If you know that Jesus is with you, you can face any situation. So Timothy, follow after righteousness. Timothy, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Notice as he continues on in verse number 16, Paul loves to talk about Jesus. He talks about Jesus some more. Verse 16, who only hath immortality? You know, that's a true statement. Jesus is the only one that has immortality. You know why we're risen, we could, we're going to get brand new bodies? Because Jesus. He died for us and he paid our price. And because of him, we get brand new bodies. Because of him, we get life everlasting. Because of him, we live forever. Because of what Jesus did. He's the one who hath immortality. Nobody else can give you immortality. Roman noodles cannot give you immortality. Walmart cannot give you immortality. The church here cannot give you immortality. Only Jesus can give you immortality. Only Jesus. This is the one who's got your side. Paul or Timothy, you stand up. You make a good confession of faith because Jesus is with you. And by the way, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if they kill you, he's going to raise you from the grave. You're on the winning side no matter what. He's with you in power, and if they kill you, you're still going to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. What can they do to you? Right? Threaten you with eternity? Threaten you with heaven? Timothy, stand. 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 (laughs) Which brings me back to verse number 14, really quick. It says... That thou keepest this commandment without spot. What commandment? Paul is saying to Timothy, keep this commandment. What commandment did he just give? Flee, follow, fight. Timothy, keep this commandment. What commandment? Flee, follow, fight. What am I supposed to do? Flee, follow, fight. Timothy, flee, Follow, fight. Timothy, what are you supposed to do? Flee, follow, fight. Why? Because Jesus is with you. Flee riches. Follow after righteousness. Fight the good fight of faith because Jesus is with you. Timothy, all your answers are solved when you keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, when you can deal with other people, no matter what their disposition to you, as long as you know Jesus is with you, as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, those people are so small when you keep your eyes on Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Notice with me in verse 16. Again, who hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man can see, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Now, verse 16 is making a reference all the way back to Isaiah 6. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. But may I tell you what's going on in Isaiah 6? In Isaiah 6, 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And as train. (laughs) I saw the Lord sitting in the temple high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Back then, Isaiah is looking, has a vision of God. And he sees God sitting on the throne and his train, which is uh, the cape, the cow that that a, a ruler would rule, it filled the temple back in the ancient world that the longer the train the longer the cape the longer the uh, the the thing that the king would wear, the bigger it is, the more honor that he was worthy of. You know how big this was? it filled the temple you could imagine the cloth just folding over itself until it filled up a huge big building and then you know what he saw, and I saw above the throne seraphims seraphims are a type of angel they're literally called the burning ones and he said I saw a strange sight that these angels would fly around and these angels were a little bit different they had three sets of wings with twain they did fly with twain they covered their eyes and with twain, they cover their feet. You know, angels don't look like the cartoon angels of a little baby with a diaper and a harp and a halo. It's not what angels look like at all. These are burning ones. They're so, <laughs> they're so amazing that they look like they're on fire. And their, their job is to be around the throne of the temple. And with these three sets of wings, with twain, they fly around. With twain, they cover their eyes. Why do they have wings to cover their eyes? Because even though they're perfect creatures, they are still not holy enough to look at God. These seraphims fly around this the throne room of God and they have to keep their eyes closed because even they cannot look upon God and live. That's what verse 16 is saying, by the way. Who hath only... A, who hath Immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach to, whom no man can see, have seen, or can see, to whom honor and power everlasting. Amen. So these seraphims, they fly around the throne room of God, and they fly around, but they have a set to cover their eyes because they can't look upon God. But they also have another set of wings and they cover their feet. Why the feet? Because feet are a sign of creation. They're proof that you're created. God doesn't have feet. And they cover their feet in the presence of their creator as humbleness to say, you made us, we're lower than you. And the Bible goes on in Isaiah 6, that these seraphims that are flying around with these wings, they cry, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. And by the way... In the book of Revelation, those same angels are still doing the same thing. For these thousands of years, they have not had a coffee break. They don't take naps. They don't take rest. But their only job day and night is to sing God's praises that he is holy, holy, holy. And the whole time while they're doing it, they still have these wings that cover their eyes. Because they still can't look at God and live. This is a God who has that much power and holiness. And he's on my side. Timothy, flee, follow, fight. You keep your eyes on the Lord. And it doesn't matter who is against you. It doesn't matter what plans they may have. It doesn't matter what designs they have. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Because God is with you. And if you know that God is with you, you're almost like that little dog with its master chasing away some big dog. Thinks he did it all. (laughs) Our God is bigger than anything you face. So Timothy, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus and flee. Follow. Fight. Flee. Follow. Fight. Flee. Flee. Follow, fight, because God is with you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a third thing that Paul tells Timothy. He starts off by telling him, Timothy, follow after righteousness. Timothy, keep your eyes on Jesus. Timothy, I charge thee in the sight of God, in the sight of Jesus Christ, encourage others to trust in the Lord encourage others to trust in the Lord notice with me in verse number 17 charge them that are rich in this world now again Paul likes to take little detours so he was talking about hey you either have God as the goal or riches the goal And then as he's talking about riches is the goal, he uh, stops what he's doing. Timothy, there's some things I need to tell you to do. Flee, follow, fight. Flee, follow, fight. Oh, wait, what was I saying? Oh, let's go back to the rich people, okay? Timothy, what do you do with these rich people? What do you do with those that are following after riches? What do you do with those that actually have money? What do you do with those people? Verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world by the way, as a reminder, if you're an American and you own a vehicle, you are on the top 10% of wealth in the world. So who's this verse 2? You and me. Notice this. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Timothy, you tell them, To keep their eyes on Jesus. You encourage others to trust in the Lord. You know, your wealth can go away just like that. One bad investment, one bad retirement plan, one depression, one accident, one lawsuit, one this, one that, and your finances can go. Don't trust in uncertain riches. You have no guarantee that tomorrow you'll have wealth. No guarantee. You want to know what is a guarantee? That God still loves you. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You trust in God who will never fail you instead of money that will go away. Trust in God. Timothy charged them to trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Notice this Timothy, you charge them that are rich, verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay a hold, means grab a hold of eternal life. They already are saved, but now let them live like they're saved. Do you realize that Jesus Christ died so that way everyone in the world can be saved? I'm glad everybody said amen. Do you believe that everyone needs to hear the gospel? Do you believe it enough to follow with your pocketbook? That's what Timothy is telling him. If you believe that God died for everyone and everyone needs to hear the gospel, back it up with your money. If you have the ability to give to missions, give to missions. If you have the ability to help us buy tracts, help us to buy tracts. If you could help us to get the gospel out, help us to get the gospel out. If you have the ability, use it. Sure, motorboats are fine, but they break and they need repairs and stuff. But then you can't take it to heaven with you. You don't need a motorboat in heaven. But you can lay up and store presents. You can lay up and store treasures. Do you know there are more, some people who will enjoy the millennial kingdom more than others? Because they prepared for it. They were preparing for it. There's something to it. Tim. Timothy, charge them that are rich that they use their finances for the Lord because they're saved and they realize that there's so much out there that can be done. You know, people can give up an extra McDonald's hamburger a week and give it to missions. Somebody can give up a Whopper cheeseburger, which we talked about earlier, (laughs) with two pickles, and instead... Use it to help this local church get the gospel out. So much more can be done. And of course, God wants us to enjoy all things, and God's able to give us so much more than we can ask for. Trust him with the finances and let God use it, but encourage others to, uh, <laughs> to follow the Lord. Which brings us to one last thing. Timothy, I charge thee before God, Before Jesus Christ. Timothy, I'm telling you to follow after righteousness. Timothy, keep your eyes on the Lord. Timothy, encourage others to look at God, to follow after him, to trust in God. Timothy, one last thing before I sign off. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Timothy, keep that which was committed to thy trust. Notice with me in verse 20. Oh, Timothy... Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Outlining's easy when you just use the stuff of the Bible, right? Uh-huh. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Now, he says, Timothy, you stick with the Bible. Because on either side... There's going to be things that are going to be trying to sway you away. On this side over here, you're going to have profane and vain babblings. The word profane carries the idea. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, carries the idea of without regard to God. So something that's profane is something that doesn't care about God. Is it God doesn't cross through its mind. Uh, Someone who who does something secular that's profane. Something that God doesn't enter into its thinking. God has no part of it. Profane. The word vain carries the idea of empty. So, Timothy, you stay away from the type of babblings, the empty talk, the talk that doesn't have anything to do with God. And that's what people want to debate the pastor with. Now, pastor, can you really tell me that the Green Bay Packers aren't touched by God? Can't you not tell me that the Green Bay Packers are the greatest in the world? Who cares? I mean, some of you, but in the light of eternity, so what? I mean, who really remembers who won Super Bowl 51? I don't even know what number we're on now, but who cares? Who knows? So what? (laughs) You know, when it's all said and done, there's a lot of empty talk that can, can take up a lot of brain space that doesn't matter. So here is the profane and vain babblings. But Timothy, over here, avoid these as well. What is it you're supposed to avoid? Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and avoiding oppositions. Of science falsely so called. The other side is to ignore the oppositions. The word oppositions carries the idea of a contrary position. They want to argue and they said, I got evidence that you're wrong. I got proof that your Bible's not true. I've got my uh, my professor who says that you're wrong. If you're not going to convince them... Don't waste time on them. There are other people that could use your help, Timothy. Don't spend time debating with people because debates do not convince anyone. No one ever watched a Facebook post and said, oh man, I've changed all my life. They convinced me with this one post. And by the way, it doesn't work. You could go to a college professor. You could go to an abortion clinic. You could go to wherever you want. And debating them does not work. It doesn't work. So, by the way, what are you supposed to do with them? Notice this. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. May I just take a moment here? The word science carries the idea in this context of knowledge. But here it's saying falsely so-called. You know, there's a lot of science out there that is not true science. What is true science? It's what we can test, what we can observe. The scientific theory is that we... That we study, hypothesize, test, put it to the test, and then record the results. There's a lot of science out there that is not science. It's science falsely so-called. And all they do is they come up with these things to contend, to contradict, to oppose our Christian faith. To oppose what the Bible says because they don't want to listen to what the Bible says. You know, there is no valid scientifically uh, historically, archaeologically, any other way you want to think of, there is no reason to deny the Bible other than the fact that people don't want to obey it. And the Bible says it. Uh, it says it. The only reason why people don't uh, deny the Bible is because they don't want to obey it. By the way, their scientists say that. I got quotes of it. We'll see it in a creation seminar later. But I got quotes of these guys who say, there's no reason to deny creation other than we don't want to obey the Bible. Well, at least you're honest about it. That's the only reason why deny it. But you have people who don't want to obey the Bible, so they want to come up with all kinds of reasons that the Bible's not true, the reasons why our faith isn't real. Timothy, avoid those things. Beware of those things. But notice this in verse 21, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Meaning that these people, we would, let's call them cults. These cults have brought a lot of people away from the Lord. They've convinced people that they're right and they drag them away. They pull them away from the Bible. And people have lost their faith. How do we win them by the way? By us living the way that we're supposed to, by proving that God is real by how we live. Timothy, keep the commandment